today on CityCast Denver. In the last few years, there's been a groundswell of interest and effort across Colorado to remember what happened at Amachi. It was a concentration camp outside of Grenada in southeast Colorado, where more than 10,000 Americans of Japanese descent were incarcerated during World War II. It's a tragic, shameful chapter of Colorado history, but it's part of who we are. Well, I don't know if you want to jump to the end of the story, Brie, but you don't <laughs> you don't have to imagine what the rose would look like because this story has grown. It has I suppose the story has bloomed. Ryan Warner is the host of Colorado Matters from Colorado Public Radio. And today he shares a surprising and touching story about a flower blooming in the desert. Today is Thursday, May 26th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. And I am testing, and Bree, one more time, speak for me. Hello, good afternoon, Ryan Warner. Good, and you're on the other channel. So uh, I will send that to you afterwards. Ryan Warner, welcome to CityCast Denver. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. So you recently uncovered a fascinating story about the site of the old Japanese-American concentration camp in southeast Colorado, Amachi. And archaeologists working there found something really interesting. What did they find? In 2012, they were at Amachi and they found, I guess I could call it a rose bush, but it was really more of a rose bramble. And it was growing across the remnants of a doorway. You know that Amachi in southeastern Colorado is mostly foundations of what was there. And it was to everyone's surprise that a rose bush was growing. Because that's just not something that grows in that part of the state, right? Well, it's remotely possible that this is a wild rose, but that is not the major thinking here. I I mean, as I think you are um, implying in your question, this is a hard scrabble place. I mean, it bakes in the sun and it freezes in the winter and water is hard to come by. So indeed, there was real surprise that this hardy rose was clinging on, possibly after 80 years since the abandonment of what's called the Grenada Relocation Center. That was the official name of Amachi, named for the nearby town of Grenada, Colorado. What did archaeologists think when they found a rose bush? Well, the archaeologist in question is Dr. Bonnie Clark from the University of Denver. And she has something called the Amachi Research Project. She brings survivors and descendants to Amachi to help do the work of archaeology there with her. So they are unearthing this country's past, but they are unearthing their own past at the same time. And it was in 2012, during an archaeological expedition, that they saw the roses. And as one survivor described it to me, in this, these are her words, in this God-forsaken place, we could not believe that roses were growing. Now, mind you, it was clearly a rose bush or a bramble 
but no one had seen it blossom. No one had seen it sprout a bud or bloom, um, very likely since the closure of Camp Amachi. Bonnie Clark, the archaeologist, went back every few years to see, is the rose bush blooming? Is it blooming? Is it blooming? And it never did. And so she's the one who enlisted the folks at the Denver Botanic Gardens in hopes of learning more and in hopes of spurring its growth. And what did the Botanic Gardens folks do after she connected with them? Well, they they took a field trip, Bree. (laughs) They went from Denver to Southeast Colorado to the Grenada Relocation Center, and they carefully took clippings from the Amachi roses. And this involves a lot of tender, loving care. They washed those clippings to keep them clean. They put them in, uh, my sense is like maybe a wet paper towel to keep them moist, and then in a cooler, and transported their precious cargo back to the Denver Botanic Gardens. And uh, I'm sure you've been to the gardens, Bree. There's this sort of public-facing aspect of it. And then there are these very uh, working greenhouses where all sorts of botany, all sorts of um, horticulture is going on. And they have been uh, caring, tending to these clippings, which really are doing quite well. They're thriving in that environment. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board, because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone, and there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. But I think what I found most stirring about this story is that the Denver Botanic Gardens is making a film about the Amachi Roses, and they delivered two clippings to a survivor in California for her to take care of as well. And this is Carlene Tanagoshi Tinker, who lives in Fresno, California. She was three years old when she and her parents were forced from California to Colorado's southeastern plains under Order 9066. That was the order that Franklin Roosevelt signed, ordering the incarceration, the imprisonment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Mm. What do you think, or or what have you gathered from your conversations is this, the symbolism or the symbolic nature of this rose? As Carlene Tanagoshi Tinker puts it, the roses show survivorship. That was her word, survivorship. That after 80 years, if indeed these roses were planted by the Amachians and cared for by the Amachians, that after almost 80 years, they held on 
Well, that means they held on just like the people at Camp Amachi and that they were able to thrive, survive in the bleakest of environments. And I also think it means that there was a sliver of color and a sliver of beauty to one of the dimmest chapters of this country's history. Yeah, I'm imagining that rose growing in the desert and what that looked like and maybe symbolized to the folks that were being held there. Well, I don't know if you want to jump to the end of the story, Brie, but you don't <laughs> you don't have to imagine what the rose would look like because this story has grown. It has I suppose the story has bloomed. Yes, I that was my my next question was it's it's an artifact, but it's a living thing. What yeah. what is going to happen or what has been happening with this this rose bush? Well, I'm so glad you say it's it's a living thing. You know, Bonnie Clark, the archaeologist, refers to these as witness roses. She is especially uh, intoxicated by the fact that plants that can survive for so long bear witness to history. I mean, if indeed these roses were planted by the incarcerees and cared for by the incarcerees, they were witness to that history and they're still with us. So the prevailing thinking was going to be that the roses would bloom midsummer at either the Denver Botanic Gardens as they're being babied in the greenhouse or in Carlene Tanagoshi Tinker's garden in Fresno, California. She emails me, by the way, almost daily with pictures of her two clippings, giving me and her friends and Bonnie Clark, the archaeologist, updates on their condition. She's very excited about them. But in fact, there was a bloom just this past weekend at Amachi Brie, at Camp Amachi, in the hard scrabble conditions, the original rosebush that no one had seen bloom for 70 some odd years, sprouted a little bud. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> right. Is there a bloom? <laughs> oh, oh my God. I'm like a little bit weepy. It's such a beautiful, I mean, it's what you would ideally want to happen, but how would you ever know that was going to be the outcome? That's incredible. If you think that the story thus far is stirring, I just want to explain the power of the timing of the bud, Brie. Mm, good point. Yes. It came the same year that Campomachi was a declared a National Historic Site. So this means that the camp is now part of the National Park System. It came the same month that we mark and celebrate Asian American heritage. And it came the same day that is, they witnessed the bud the same day as the annual Campamachi pilgrimage. So this is an annual event where those who care for this place and survivors and descendants gather at Amachi. They hold a ceremony at the cemetery. And in this case, they walked over from the cemetery to the rose bush, and there was the bud. I mean, the timing is so synchronistic, is so literary, that it almost seems unreal to me. 
Yeah, and I think that it speaks to if if you're listening, nature is responding and nature spoke back sort of to this experience that folks had in this place. Carlene Tanagoshi Tinker, again, who was at Amache starting at age three and until she was six, she calls it a miracle. That was yeah. her word. Bonnie Clark, the archaeologist, has a theory as to why it finally bloomed at Camp Amachi, and that it may have actually um, been the clipping, the tending to of the rosebush by the Denver Botanic Gardens, the pruning, essentially, that spurred some growth in the rosebush. So it's possible that the observation and the science and the clippings uh, contributed to the timing and the, the production of this rose bramble. What a lovely symbolic story, but what a nice way to, I mean, this is a complex place. It's important that we acknowledge it because human beings had to exist there under conditions many of us could not imagine, but it also is this place of learning and um, I don't know, it's it's just complicated. And I think the Rose, the Rose story just brings that another addition of the human element to it. Well, and I hope that fundamentally the story of the rose unearths for people the story of Camp Amachi, the fact that some 10,000 people of Japanese ancestry went through that camp and lived in horrific conditions in which privacy was hard to come by. Carlene Tanagoshi Tinker talks about the incredible heat that they contended with when they were there, a mm. uh, hundred plus degree temperatures in the summer on the dry, hard scrabble southeastern plains. Um, and so I, I think to the extent that, that the rose is a symbol not only of survival, but um, is here again as a witness rose to remind us of this history. Ryan, what can you tell me about the rose as maybe a symbol or a link to our agricultural history as a state in relationship to the Japanese Americans who were held at Amachi. Yeah, I mean, this is really another legacy of Camp Amachi. Uh, it's estimated that 60% of the folks who were incarcerated there had some sort of agricultural, horticultural gardening background. This is according to Dr. Bonnie Clark. She's consulted census records to come to this figure. And so it's very likely that they would have wanted to tend to living things while they were incarcerated. So that underscores this idea that the rose is very likely a, pro a product of Amachians. But our agricultural bounty today in Colorado uh, some of our produce comes from Japanese-American families in Colorado. And you, you need, by the way, look no further than the bonsai garden at the Denver Botanic Gardens to see some of that horticultural history continue. Those gardens, that pavilion is named for Bill Hosokawa, who was a Denver Post editor and himself a former prisoner of an internment camp. In his case, it was a camp in Wyoming. So 
this history is all around us, and it's frankly much closer to us than just Grenada, Colorado. Well, and I think that speaks to how history is always connected to the present in these stories that we, that's something I never knew. And I grew up here understanding that that is something I can be connected to today by the the food that I eat. That's right. And the roses that you smell, Brie. Yeah, (laughs) that's incredible. Ryan Warner, thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Gun violence. It's all anyone can talk about this week. It's still on the rise in Colorado. And especially after the tragic mass killing at an elementary school in Texas the other day. I have to address our episode on the topic from earlier this week. We do our best to showcase a wide variety of perspectives on issues that matter to Denverites most. But in our effort to do that, we failed to include the necessary context on Denver's recent concealed carry ban. We appreciate those of you who wrote in to push us to learn more and, frankly, to get this one right. So rest assured, we're working on a follow-up. And we want to hear from you, too. What do you think about Denver's work to get rid of guns? Are there programs or policies you think we should be talking about? Leave us a voicemail or text us at 720-500-5418. Or email us at denver at citycast.fm. I think we can figure this out but only if we do it together. Thanks for listening. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. That's the that's the um, the sunflowers. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> right? Is there a bloom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what a little rain will do.